1: welcome back everyone i hope you're ready
0: valentine's day oh happy valentine's day yes (laughs) well that when this drops when this
1: drops (laughs) i hope you didn't feel too much pressure to do the perfect valentine treats for your kids classroom i personally went to target and got the smallest little thing that had stickers in it because toddlers love stickers and that is what Logan is bringing to school.
0: Dude, I'm super excited because, like, these slap bracelets are back and I got oh. some bluey ones. And, like, I'm just waiting for Blair to come home. You know, four year olds, it's just, they're wild too. So, yeah, uh, we'll see. We got a BG band. <laughs>
1: after this we got a slap bracelet from a birthday party in in one of the goodie bags
0: and i tried to do it on logan and he was so upset with me he was like he didn't
1: understand he's like i am not a 90s kid how dare yeah he's
0: like how dare you it's fun it's fun to kind of see what the valentines are now and kind of relive it through our kids so we we hope you guys are, are having a good one we are continuing with our february series on Eligibility and we kind of wanted to start. I know that we had pulled up the California code and today's episode kind of wanted to start with a generalized definition, right? Of our other health impairment category. Yeah. Just to
1: remember that the IDEA, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, sets forth the 13 eligibility categories and each state's education code as it is required to implement the IDEA, mm-hmm. states are allowed to expand upon these categories. They may not shrink them in any way. They cannot take away, but states can expand. So in California, we've seen some changes to, we used to have, like it's gone back and forth. The autism one was like autistic behaviors to autism back and forth. So your state code can expand. But what we'll yep. talk about in this series is the federal code. Specifically, making sure like this is the bare minimum of like eligibility. So other health impairment is one of those categories that I think is often missed. It's not interpreted all the time. So I'm going to read straight from the code and then we'll dive into what it means. So other health impairment or OHI means having limited strength, vitality, or alertness, including a heightened alertness to environmental stimuli, that results in limited alertness with respect to the educational environment that a is due to chronic or acute health problems, such as asthma, attention deficit disorder, or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, diabetes, epilepsy, a heart condition, hemophilia, lead poisoning, leukemia, rheumatic fever, sickle cell anemia, and Tourette syndrome. And B adversely affects a child's educational performance. Now, I want to make it clear, though, that in that first section A, where it includes a bunch of disorders, it says such as, Mm -hmm. which means that it's not limited. So if your child has a condition or maybe doesn't even have a diagnosis, but it is, it kind of fits into this category. but it is not one of these specific ones. That's okay. This is, uh,
0: you know, including, but not limited to situations. Such as, Um, for example, or of that kind, right? So of this kind, this type of, right? And so maybe have that in your mind because we have seen a lot of our kiddos, even with uh, genetic deletions and things like that, uh, potentially fall under OHI. We've seen it kind of act as a catch-all. Yeah. At, at yeah. times, not explicitly. Right. Now, one thing you'll note
1: is that nowhere in this section of the code does it talk about academics, it does not talk about reading, writing, arithmetic. The closest thing it talks about is mm. educational mm-hmm. performance. But I want to mm-hmm. make clear, educational performance is not academics. They are not synonymous. Educational performance is the entire education, So how your child is functioning in all areas. And remember, Mm -hmm. we try to beat this into you that the IDEA doesn't just look at academics. It Mm -hmm. looks at Mm -hmm. vocational skills. And when your Mm -hmm. child is a student, their vocation is a student. So vocational skills can mean anything relating to them being a student. So attention, sitting in class, following directions, completing work we also have social emotional status so how are they impacted their mental state mm-hmm. so when we look and it does include attention in you know this specific category but we also have kids that have anxiety disorders that would fall into this OCD any kind of mental health and you may have a team when we talk about mental health that might look at well you have to look at emotional disturbance or mental health disorders but that's not always true a lot of kids so we really are looking at you know it says limited strength vitality or alertness so this could mean physical impairment so we have had kids who have orthopedic impairments that sometimes fall into this category cerebral palsy sometimes falls into this category it has to fit in right because all of these kiddos all of these kids on that have these different diagnoses are all different so like you could have a kid a child who is diagnosed with cerebral palsy who is very high functioning whose most of their impairments are physical and you could have the flip side where there's not as much physical, but more of in the intellectual capabilities. So it's not a given, just like any of these categories, just because you have a diagnosis doesn't mean you only fit into one category or that you have to fit into a category. But when we look at a lot of these things, we're looking at, um, it doesn't have to be a medical condition. So it doesn't have to be like you have a medical diagnosis, which I think some teams forget. Um, it has yeah. a health impairment. So mm-hmm. a health impairment can be a lot of things. Anything impacting mm-hmm. your health. It is there two prongs to this, right? Is that you have yeah. to have some kind of impairment that impact adversely affects the educational performance. So if your child is academically capable, maybe they're very bright, maybe they're average cognitive abilities, and academically they're doing okay when they're in school, but their anxiety or withdrawal or some Affecting their ability to get out of bed and go to school, that is impacting. Right, it's adversely affecting their (coughs) educational performance, and that is a health condition. So that's the analysis that we should have. We shouldn't be talking about all these other factors. Nowhere in this code does it say, Mm -hmm. "Well, if you've made progress, right, does it adversely affect anxiety and they're pulling out their hair? Yeah, if they're refusing to go to
0: school, if they are crying in school, yeah." The crying outside of school, you can't get them to school. We're talking about a health impairment where it's like having limited, you know, at the top, it says limited strength, vitality or alertness. But then it says including heightened alertness to environmental stimuli. Right. And then whatever is going on with the child, it results in limited alertness with respect to the educational environment, not to the curriculum, not to, you know, to the educational environment. What is that limited alertness? And I think that that's why they wanted to kind of give some examples, right? So things that are kind of, you know, asthma could be that, attention deficit for ADHD, ADD. And, you know, a lot of times we see our ADHD, ADD kiddos on 504s we're talking about the need for special education and related services. The child is going to need this because a lot of our ADHD, ADD kiddos have average cognitive abilities. And that's something that in um, a couple i IEPs I've, I've also gotten as well. It's like, well, they're making improvements. This child does not have a low IQ, a limited, any type of intellectual disability, which may prevent you from making progress in certain areas. If you have average cognitive ability, you still have the potential to grow and learn. However, when you have a disability, a learning impairment, a unique need that is not being met, then your potential is not there. And that's what we are to see. And Andrew F. in 2017 really pointed out, we are looking at the circumstances of the child and how they are making progress, right? Right. We need to be taking all of this information into account. And just with this one eligibility, look at how much we could cover with this one eligibility
1: category. And remember, like nothing in here talks about if with supports they make progress, you're no longer eligible. Mm-hmm. That's not in there. Mm-hmm. So last week mm-hmm. we talked about some trends that we're seeing, some things that school yes. districts are saying about how students are not eligible. So mm-hmm. it being pulled out of this general education environment, requiring specialized academic instruction. There's nothing in this section that says that. So mm-hmm. our kiddos with ADHD, sensory processing disorder. You know, a scenario that often gets missed is the kiddo who has ADHD or ADD, and they're Hyperactive in the classroom. They're impulsive. They get up out of their seat. Maybe they have sensory processing needs too. And so they're getting up out of the seat. They're heavily distracted and they're not completing all their work. And at home, they require three hours of tutoring to get their work done. And that is adversely affecting their child's uh, performance, right? Because they are not able to retain all the instruction in class. They are missing it. They might be penalized. They might be punished. For getting out of their seat too much. And so they're said that you have to miss recess, and that's affecting their social interactions Mm -hmm. and opportunities, right? They're requiring three hours of schoolwork after school, which is impacting their home life, which then impacts school. So all this is educational performance. But take that scenario where that kiddo is told, you need to go and get medication. And the parents do go and get medication. And let's say with medication, that child is not getting up out of their seat as often. And they maybe can sit and do homework a little bit more. Maybe they are not as disruptive in class. And so from the time the student was first kind of looking, the family was looking at them or the IEP team was looking at them to the time where the medication has set in, it looks like progress, right? But nothing in this code precludes that child from being eligible because without the medication, right, it is affecting the performance. It is affecting a lot. So they're eligible just because they have medication, just because there's mitigating factors doesn't preclude them from being eligible. And that's the problem that we often see with what we talked about last week with all of these supports the schools are trying to put in place because, you know, medication and counseling and some of these supports are not eliminating the condition and are not eliminating how the condition impacts education. So When you're in an IEP and you're going through eligibility with your team, if you have a team that glosses over this code and glosses over this analysis and Mm -hmm. immediately goes to discussions about how they're doing better because we've provided all of these supports, direct (laughs) them back to the code and say, where in the code does it say that that's
0: the Mm -hmm. analysis?
1: Because it's Mm -hmm. not.
0: Yep. Absolutely right. I think that Again, starting from that place of curiosity. It's very easy for us to get down in these red herrings. One IEP meeting we had just had regarding eligibility. They really got stuck after the evaluator, the private evaluator had really kind of given it to them about why the child had been eligible under a different category. And they just started talking about anxiety. The evaluator, it was something that was noted She did not do evaluations in the area of anxiety. That can also be another area that falls under another one that we'll talk about. But all of a sudden they just got stuck on this, right? And what Amanda and I are trying to give you with this series is the knowledge of what the code section says and how it manifests in these different fact scenarios that we're trying to give to you. You may have a scenario that is completely different that we've never seen. There are not only 13 eligibility categories, but we have some categories where various things fall under them. So it is very possible that you have a certain type of genetic mutation or deletion in your child that manifests just in depression or anxiety, or that looks like an intellectual disability, or looks like or mimics autism or ADHD, like that could very well happen. This point of this series is to really give you the background and the knowledge, because yes, case law can affect it. But if you hear enough of these facts and you already knew something was wrong, that's where Amanda's saying, hey, can you show me where in this specific, you know, eligibility? Like, I think we hit everything, but you're still saying no. Why? I really need you to explain it to me like I'm five years old because I'm not understanding. Yeah,
1: because I think a lot of the analysis that we're seeing these teams do is the analysis of whether a student should be in a special day class or whether the student should have resource." SAI, whether mm-hmm. they should have a goal on executive functioning or a goal on um, math. But all of that comes later. We can't get to any of those discussions until we've talked about eligibility. The eligibility discussion is very, very narrow, and we see teams go too broad on it. So, this is why, like they said, we're wanting to dive deep into these categories because I think it's important for people to really understand that the conversation we should be having with the IEP teams about eligibility is much different than the conversations we are seeing in IEP team. So we hope that, you know, and we will, in the show notes, we will put the the statute. So you can actually go look at the code if you are a visual learner and you want Mm -hmm. to, you know, actually see what that looks like. If you're thinking your child is eligible for one or the other, and you want to bring that printout to the IEP, you know, we empower you. So we'll provide you with Um, Ed code and like I said, go look at your state ed code too, not the IDEA, because some states Mm do provide a little bit more guidance, and that's helpful. And you know, we will continue to go through the other eligibility categories. So if we haven't touched on one that you have a question about, send us a DM, and we'd be happy to share any of the questions.
0: And I mean, even if we already touched on it, like OHI, please just let us know. Yes, and we can always have like a wrap up session that we do that, but. Again, we hope you enjoyed this deep dive into OHI, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.